0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Good Writing Podcast. In this week, we talk about Sophia Samatar's Tinder. Uh, it's a short story collection. We talk specifically about the short story Walk Dog.
1: It's a really cool little short story uh, that is told in a really neat formal way. As like it's an essay by, an high, by a high schooler, but you're slowly kind of revealed more as, into this narrator's um, psyche and the events of the story as this essay proceeds. Really yeah, good stuff. And-
0: good stuff, and specifically we talk about when your narrator won't admit something. Mm -hmm. How can they narrate the facts, but also, like, resist telling you the full truth.
1: Yeah, there's something that weighs deeply on them uh, and how they build to that. Yeah. Really good stuff. I think you'll enjoy.
0: Enjoy the episode.
1: Hi everybody, welcome to Good Writing.
0: Hey everybody! Welcome to the Good Writing Podcast.
1: It's so good to see you all, hear you all, or you to hear us today. I'm
0: Ben. I, yeah, I'm never sure which verb to use. I'm Emily.
1: <laughs> <laughs> ben, it's so good to see
0: you. Um, yes. How the heck was writing this week? Did you get th- get to it?
1: Writing, writing's been okay. Uh, I've been right. I've been doing my writing. I, I've been, you know. Plugging away at the thing that I was working on for Compound Butter the, that I mentioned last time. You know, cool. I got, I have a draft of that that is done. Um, like, you know, done in quotes, but it's it's been written. I've also been trying to make a habit of journaling a little Ooh. bit more. I've, I've never journaled in my life. Uh, this is my first attempt at doing this. But just as a way of doing writing that is not committed in the same way that a lot of other writing is. Yeah. Yes,
0: Very much. A free write, but in a personal way. Intriguing.
1: Yeah. Yeah, do you journal? Uh,
0: No. No? No? Okay. No, I don't self-reflect like that, man. Uh. No.
1: It's, I I mean, I, I do it. It's something that Fran has wanted me to do for a long time, has suggested that I do as a way of figuring out feelings and stuff like that, because she's like, sometimes... You're not the most emotionally available person, and I'm like, that's fair. I'm not, so that is like...
0: specific and actionable feedback. You're right.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's like, so maybe I should look into this and into myself a little more. No, but it nice.
0: nice. That's yeah. really nice. I really like that. Uh,
1: yeah.
0: Yeah. People. People love it. People who do it love it. I've 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 tried that kind of thing a few times, uh, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah for it's me it's not the thing it's not the thing how about no. you how is how is
0: writing, <gasps> it's been rough uh it's been rough mm. i'm trying to get mm. back on a um so when we graduated the mfa program i had this conversation with my thesis advisor becca mckay the poet um and her advice to me was the same advice that she's given to many mfa graduates in the past which is if you just write for 15 minutes a day you are a writer every day even if you know 15 minutes if you do more you do more if you don't you don't that's okay but Mm -hmm. if you can get through 15 minutes you are a writer still Mm -hmm. um i need to get back on that train because i am not even consistently doing the 15 um yeah and i like i like i always liked that that worked for me for a long time because um it was just lower stakes um Mm -hmm. like i can you know free write for 15 minutes and then walk away from it and never look at it again if i hate it um gotta mm-hmm. get back on that train yeah i've been using i've been uh through a few demanding work weeks and i just need to you know reprioritize and accept like work may not become less demanding i need to reschedule around it yeah i
1: i i don't caveat this by saying that i i love my job mm-hmm. i love my job i like my job my job is good to me but mm-hmm. i fucking hate working and everyone listening to this should hate working too. I, I recommend hating work um, because <laughs> it takes away the time from the things you actually want to do and the things you care about 90% of the time, unless you're one of the lucky people that gets to have those things line up. like uh, Yeah.
0: Yeah. It is just so true. Um, you are the only person who will enforce your own work boundaries. Um, you have to be the one to do it. Uh, mm-hmm. You have to be the one to prioritize. And, and yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so uh reflecting on that, I'm gonna gonna make it work more, gonna make it happen more. That's yeah. my goal. Ask me again next week how writing was.
1: <laughs> cool. Cool. Uh are you are you the kind of person that uh, can you write in the mornings when you first get up? Is that a thing for you at all?
0: Okay. I love if I could do I love writing in the mornings and working out in the mornings, but when I say mornings I mean like ten AM. I wish that nothing <clears throat> started until eleven thirty so that I could do the mm-hmm. things that I actually want to do at ten AM. Mm-hmm. I just want to mm-hmm. wander around the house and look out the window for an hour or so
1: after yeah. I wake up. If I could devote the first hour and a half of the, every day to just you know a podcast and a cup of coffee without interruption, then that's what I would do. Like, yeah, that, yes. that's that, that's much preferable because I'm right there with you on like I, I've tried to do the wake up early and get stuff Uh-oh. done thing, no, no. like. If I exercise at, like, six, like something that I used to try to do, I'll feel sick. Like, same. it's like... I yeah, feel same. Like, I don't feel yeah. good. It doesn't do the thing it's supposed to do. I just feel dead, and then I'm exhausted for the rest of the day. Like, yeah.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I remember vividly one time when I had an in-person job in Chicago, I... Took a yoga class, which I'm not even good at to start with, at six a.m. Mm-hmm. And then I walked home, and I thought, I swear to God, I remember looking at the leaves on the sidewalk and thinking this will be the final thing I see before I pass out on the sidewalk. <laughs> and then, I'm yeah, and I and then leaf I did get
1: bigger and bigger. Yeah, yeah.
0: And then I I went to work that day, and I remember the morning being like, I am, I am the god of production. And then by two p.m., I was like, I am gonna leave my bones behind me in the seat i'm gonna Mm. (laughs) the meat sack and the and the bones will separate when i try to stand up from this desk (laughs) it was a mess by the by mid-afternoon
1: man and at the 6 a.m yoga class you you must have some high level freaks in there dude yeah
0: it was way above my ability level (laughs) and god bless the instructor i am not someone when i take an exercise class i don't want encouragement like i cannot do it (laughs) like i don't want the whole class to become aware of the degree to which i can't do it telling me you can or telling me like you just got to do xyz i still can't i am incapable of doing it (laughs) just announcing (laughs) announcing the directions doesn't actually help me
1: oh yeah it's like no it's like, Emily you just gotta open up your hip more and it's like this is as open as it gets yeah. this is the hip <laughs> like it's, yeah this is <laughs> is, guys this is
0: yeah. This. oh yeah it was rough. it did not yeah, return it no. did not return that's Yeah, I, I feel like there are so many working writers who have like kids especially and they mm-hmm, talk about mm-hmm. waking up at 4am and before their yeah. kids are awake and that's their like special time and I'm like yeah. <laughs> no yeah no
1: Yeah, and I won't lie that there's also—I have a belief, and I don't know if this is true, and I'm sure it's not true in all scenarios, but I think a lot of those writers also do things like they don't drink ever, and they don't, you know, imbibe in other sorts of substances and party-type behaviors that maybe some other writers are partial to, and, like, it's—that makes a big difference on being able to be awake at 4 a.m. and have energy, and if you have kids, it's also, you know— your kids require you to be up. I, I remember when I was in high school, I um, I used to have to get up at 4.30 a.m. for the bus. What? And Yeah, because I, I went... For my first two years of high school, I went to the Arts Magnet High School, which was like an hour away from my house. And a oh. thing, they're required to send buses to every student because it was still a public school, um, which oh. is a good thing. But I had to be up very early to catch my bus. And my, my dad... I realize now that this is just one of the many miracles my father worked that I didn't appreciate what was happening. He was always up before me to make me lunch, like, so what? I could take that with me to school. What like, a good
0: man. Yeah, I would like,
1: <laughs> Yeah, no. I love my dad. Shout out to my dad. He, he's amazing. And so is my mom. Like, both of them were always just, you know, the, and it didn't seem like an issue for them. Like, wow. Yeah. yeah.
0: Mm. Wow. I don't think I meant to have kids, Ben.
1: <laughs> me either, dude. Me either. Like, yeah, they were very excited to get me a car and get me my license as fast as as fast as I could. So that I might be a see, part of that. Yeah, yeah that,
0: that may have been a motivation, motivating factor for them. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> Shoot.
0: Yeah. Uh Well, um, in happier news, we have a really yeah. awesome short story that I'm so excited to talk yes. about today. Yes. Um,
1: yeah. Please.
0: Do you Do you want to do first impressions? Wait, no, I need to introduce um, it. I need to say what it is it, before you do your first impression.
1: Introduce it, yeah.
0: All right, so, everybody, we are going to talk about a short story. It's titled Walk Dog. It is by a writer named Sophia Samatar. Um, you will find a link to Walk Dog in its entirety in the show notes. So if you want to pause mm-hmm. us and read all of Walk Dog, just a short story, um, you can pause us now and read Walk Dog before we start talking about it. Um, yeah. The Walk Dog was originally published in 2014 in a, I, I think this was an anthology, Kaleidoscope, Diverse YA, Science Fiction, and Fantasy Stories. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I actually found Walk Dog in Sophia Samatar's short story collection, which is titled Tinder. Um, Tender mm-hmm. Sophia Samatar's Tender was published by an indie press that I have otherwise never heard of, to be frank, uh, but... I really like this book so it must be pretty good mm-hmm. um titled small beer press so small beer press great mm-hmm. choice with sophia samatar's tender from 27 27- 2017 2017 yeah nice great book um Beautiful. ben what is your nice. oh would you be willing to do a summary of walk dog Wait, first impression yes. first and then summary. Is that okay? Yeah, you
1: got it. Yeah, absolutely. So first impression, uh, I really like this. This is really cool. Like, th- this Word. is a very much up my alley sort of thing. Like, it's a formal experiment in a lot of ways. Um, it, it, it's very playful. Um, ha- has really great voice throughout. Like, just kind of snaps onto the voice. Um, but what it is, what Walk Dog is, is a... It takes the form of a high schooler's essay, Mm -hmm. like a research essay that they have been writing and that they have written. And through that essay, they discuss this like maybe mythical, maybe not mythical creature Mm -hmm. uh, called the walk dog. And Mm -hmm. um, it it is a essay for an assignment called the Know Your Environment Assignment. And, And they discuss the walk dog and its relation to it as it being an important part of North American wildlife. But this paper kind of turns into something else in that the writer is directly addressing the teacher who is the aunt of another character named Andrew who is a student that was being bullied at the school. And they yeah. use kind of this paper to discuss the, um, the situation that this character, Andrew, found themselves in and like kind of unveil this relationship they had with this character. And it's, it's very poignant and sad like, as this... Yeah these children um, are, are dealing with this very, like the, the student being bullied and being outcast. Yeah. Hmm.
0: Yeah. It's so, I think it's, I always love, and I thought you would like this because of the form where it starts off where you think it's just like fun voice, high school student writing about a mythical creature named walk dog. And then it becomes like a, a really gutting um, Andy, Andrew, the, the bullied kid has, been beaten by other kids and then he was hospitalized and then he tried to summon this mythical creature and then he disappeared um Mm -hmm. and things really escalate in a way that you you know weren't necessarily expecting to it to based on the just the form of you know research two section two research section three conclusion (laughs) Um, yeah
1: yeah a, a great kind of you know classic high school essay that claims to have a thesis that it in no way attempts to support throughout the uh, writing of the God, essay itself uh,
0: freaking school academic essays where the the thesis is this topic is important like <laughs> 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 hard, hard hard pitch hard thing <laughs> to pitch in my crazy.
1: opinion <laughs> oh yeah no it, it uh, just and just to talk a little bit about technique in this just i, I want to bring up a just a small thing that that i think speaks so well to this being like a voice-driven piece is the inconsistent use of your like mm. so often they incur the writer will incorrectly use like the y-o-u-r when it's meant to be the possessive version of your mm-hmm. like and, and they'll flip between those two pretty much without care um yeah. and, and, and it makes it feel so realistic in how you're reading it like it, it, it's 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 really spot on on that. But yes, yeah, so what, what did you want to bring specific attention to in this piece that we maybe want to talk about a little bit more closely?
0: Yes. So um, yeah, it's not about the form. I'm just so not mm-hmm. very formally experimental. Um, the There is a line in here that just like occurs in my head to me occasionally. I read this mm-hmm. short story a couple, a couple of years ago when I read the collection and this one line in particular just like occasionally occurs to me and makes me have a little chuckle. Um, so I'm going to read that section and yeah, then Ben, I'll ask you first impressions and I'll tell you my impression. Please. <clears throat> um, I'm, it's, I'm, I'm just going to read a little bit longer of a section instead of just cutting to the specific line. Uh, it's, it's about why she chose walk dog as the subject of this essay. She heard about it from Andy, the boy who's being bullied. What happened is two boys who you definitely know, this is addressed directly to the teacher by the way guys, what happened is two boys who you definitely know so I won't repeat their names slammed into Andy in the hall and sent his papers flying. This happened on a daily basis, every day. You have to ask yourself why Andy was always carrying stuff in his arms when he also wore a backpack. Why not keep everything in the backpack and then when people banged into him he would fall but his stuff would not be all over the hallway. There's a sign above your desk that says nobody is unteachable. But Mrs. Patterson, I beg to disagree. In this matter, Andy was 100% unteachable. (laughs) And then a a short moment later. Mm -hmm. So there his papers went as usual, and these two boys enjoyed kicking them and leaving footprints on them. One of the papers slid over to me and almost touched my foot. I didn't pick it up because unlike Andy, I am teachable. But I glanced down at it. There was a drawing of something black and bobby with red eyes, and underneath it, it said, walk dog." Um. yeah, Andy, in this matter, Andy is 100% unteachable. I didn't pick the paper up because unlike Andy, I am teachable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's a great—it's it, just a great little moment in, in there. I, I, I think that this speaks so strongly to the—to the Um. The character—to these two characters and their differences, right? Like, like and, and where they see— it, you get this great read of Andy that that is both sympathetic and also wants to be distanced from it at the same time. Big like, time. Yeah. yeah. Big time. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I think most interestingly, like, the first, when I read this for the first time, I was like, oh, that's doing a lot to establish Andy, the character's relationship to him, his dynamic in the school setting. Um, mm. And then also, like, the narrator's, you know, interest in him. But, like, lack of willingness to admit that interest in him. Mm -hmm. And then later Mm -hmm. we discover the narrator actually becomes Andy's girlfriend and they start dating. Like they are Mm -hmm. very close and they're actually dating and and she really cares for him. Um, Even while she also thinks he's a huge nerd. Um, Mm -hmm. But I love that section because it's introducing... I think it's introducing Andy in a way where the narrator won't admit it.
1: Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. the
0: narrator cares about him but she just Mm -hmm. will not admit the truth of the situation and the truth of like really holds off until as long as she can before she admits that they were boyfriend girlfriend um Mm -hmm. yeah and i just think this is a really fascinating example of um you know we've talked in previous episodes especially in the bell jar about um when your point of view character is incorrect or isn't perceiving everything going on around them, but this is really an example of like a perceptive narrator who just won't admit her stance on it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's what I think is delightful about this.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You, you have this character who, who's in this space um, and, and they're just, like you said, in that way just completely like not denying their attachment to this but just like you said just not saying it like trying to get at it trying to because throughout the piece the narrator is attempting to talk to the teacher through the paper and and like because they have a shared relationship with this other student Andy Mm -hmm. and she's trying to kind of like figure out what happened and, and through someone else that actually cares about this person but she spends such a long time just trying to deny that it's like no I'm not interested in him at all even though she later admits that like oh we were together during this yeah, yeah, yeah. and mm-hmm.
0: later she's admitting like one of her big regrets and fears is like what if I had just walked home with him like would he have yeah. not gotten beaten up and then would he have not resorted to trying to summoning the mythical walk dog creature um, yeah that like, like I think why this story is so effective is because the narrator has a lot of regrets, yeah. But also makes the fuck fun of Andy, yeah. Like that, um. I don't know that 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 cognitive dissonance is is that the word I'm mm. looking for here. Like, mm-hmm, while she mm-hmm. thinks Andy Andy is a huge nerd, she also thinks like is really mourning him and, and couldn't even right. There's a later, there's a, um, like service, sort of a memorial service, sort of a hope yeah. you come home soon, Andy. And she's yeah. given a singing solo at it and she like, can't quite sing. She can't bring herself to sing, and the, the choir just yeah. keeps singing under her. Um, she yeah. is very emotionally affected by this. Yeah. But also is afraid of being bullied herself at school. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah, I just love this dynamic of, like, the narrator being afraid to admit something. Yeah. Afraid
1: to admit something in what is already a confessional. Like, at the beginning of this story, she mentions, like, you know, the only person that's going to read this is you, the teacher. You're Mm -hmm. the person that's going to read this. And even then, she's still, like because I, I guess like anyone that in that age is automatically terrified of the social dynamic like young people are are horrified because they're it's their first time like realizing that a social dynamic even exists, let alone how to navigate it so anything that could perceive to be like affecting that could, is potentially threatening so they're, they're she's extremely cautious in, in how she like speaks about Andy but her own emotions surrounding Andy get, get in the way of, of like her being able to like keep that distance she can't do it even if she wants to like, like in moments like these where she's trying to be like oh he was such a nerd he was completely unteachable he you know it, everyone was right about him technically except i know they weren't because i knew him for who he was and we had this like whole thing. Yeah, and um, he was like, really
0: sweet to her, and he was always mm-hmm. saying things were awesome, but he meant it, and he mm-hmm. told her, I believe in you, you should go to music school, like, yeah. he's really, really sweet to her, but also she, you know, accurately reports why and how he is bullied, right? Like, there's yeah. a scene earlier yeah. where she talks about how, you know, when he raises his hand in class, all anybody has to say is his last name out loud, and then people start snickering. Um, mm-hmm. They said, like, Uh, people called him the little mermaid for weeks bubble butt you're too ugly to get into denmark um Mm -hmm. like she spends more as much or more time reporting why she refused to publicly acknowledge her relationship as she does actually later explaining why he was such a sweet guy
1: yeah yeah Exactly, because because it, it's that fear. It, it, it's that fear of being perceived in the same way that he is perceived, and, and she. And she has a lot of regret. Like mm-hmm. it, it is, like you said, like it is a a character filled with regret over. You know, not only did I, why didn't I tell people about this? Why didn't I walk him home that day? But you know, why, why was I so afraid of being perceived in the same way as him? Because I cared so deeply about him. Like you know, yeah, it, it, yeah.
0: I yeah. think it's, like, generally interesting and, you know, accurate to people who something terrible has happened in their life, life recently and they feel a little regretful or a little personally responsible. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there's a lot of denying or justifying why you didn't do the thing that you later feel like you ought to have done. And, yeah, I just I just think it's a really interesting and accurate depiction of, of fresh trauma like that.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like, and I guess I'm just trying to think of like like the question that I want to ask of how I want to pose it. Um, but it, it's just you know like when we how how do we differentiate this character um, from someone like the narrator of The Bell Jar in the fact that the narrator of The Bell Jar is brought about by being a character that doesn't know like mm. her, her she has an absence of knowledge, whereas this character does know but is in denial and and like it's i I guess i want to ask like what is it that's the difference in between the way these characters are written that allows that distinction to be made or at least what do you think
0: there is there yeah that's a really interesting question yeah so just to review for anyone who has not recently listened to our take on the bell jar our takes on the bell jar and our worldview in the bell jar episode um is uh the narrator of the bell jar like is wrong I think about some things that are going on in her life you know she's mm-hmm. wrong about her interpretation of why people say certain yeah. things and she's um, just yeah so yeah I think that is a really meaningfully different experience but one major difference that stands out is like in the bell jar Esther the point of view character is she says kind um, of like the example of her grandma always made her feel poor when she was eating because when her grandma would make a nice meal, her grandma would then say, I hope you enjoy that meatloaf. If it cost 99 cents per whatever. Um, mm-hmm. and Esther's interpretation was that, that it made her feel bad, um, mm-hmm. while eating and it made her feel, feel poor. And, and but you know, our interpretation of that was our, the grandma could have been trying to say like earnestly, this is a big deal to me and I really hope you enjoy that because I'm spending a luxurious amount of money on this. Um, Okay. Right. Like, so I I think the main difference is like Esther was so certain in her interpretation. Um, Mm -hmm. Whereas this character, I think, you know, she accurately reports what is happening and she does have a view on the social dynamic in the school that is insightful, but um, she contradicts herself more. And I think she leaves more room open for, you know, her, she, she doesn't act like she's certain that she knows everything.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it comes down to a difference like between like the, this character is taking that reflective more the objectivity given to you by being reflective and being able to look at something holistically versus Esther, who's trapped in her own subjectivity as events are occurring. Yes.
0: Like, yes. Yeah. Yes. yeah. yeah
1: yeah absolutely on that note of, of like being able to bring a character like being able to have that reflective uh objective mode versus the uh subjective like occurring mode um mm-hmm. I, I think that just like just talk, thinking about it craft wise I, I think a lot of that comes from the ability to have uh, playing something in the present test versus the past tense right like that Ooh, yeah. yes
0: yes 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 yeah, yeah. I think that's definitely a big factor here, right? Like this story is told by the girl, by Andy's girlfriend. Well, after Andy has disappeared, it Mm -hmm. is. Yeah. Yeah. It is after the events she's able to, you know, uh, it happens to come across in a chronological way, but yeah, she is able to actually reflect and have some distance and um, yeah. 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 Where he is the bell jar. It's um, I don't, think it's like literally in the present tense but it's like the now of the story like you are in esther's head while it is happening esther mm-hmm. is not telling the story 20 years later she's telling te- you're hearing it as it's going um
1: yes. yeah
0: so it feels you know much more caught up in the moment mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm, yeah
0: it, yeah it, so it, i think one craft exercise option there you know um is there a be- I think is there a benefit to having your point of view character telling the story from some months, weeks, or years down the line. And um, would that help them, you know, be able to uh, reflect more and contradict themselves? And um, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. I think that's, that's one craft element happening here for sure.
1: Yeah, yeah. L- like, just on that, I-, I feel like this has come up a lot in the podcast, and I haven't thought about it a ton until now, is just how much temporality affects the way that like a a story is told like when Mm -hmm. that like you know we've talked about flash forward we've talked about all all these different versions of like where you place your character in time um there was that story that we read uh, about the um two girls that were um going to find the ghost bridge together i forget who was the author of that again
0: uh, it was an author who I haven't seen anything else from. Her name is Becca Anderson. It was Becca published Anderson. in the Masters Review. Yeah,
1: yeah, that that piece from the Masters Review, like te- temporality. I, I feel like, at least, I'm coming to realize, is governing a lot of what happens within a story. Like mm-hmm. that, the you know, as much as characters or like um, you know, location and things like that are aspects of the story kind of the, the position in time from which the story is told seems to take a large, like chunk of how those characters are going to view themselves and view the events of the story. Like that. Yeah.
0: I mean, Ben, you'll definitely, I'm sure you've noticed by now often what I bring to talk about is something Mm -hmm. to do with how either the narrator or the point of view character, how they interpret the events and Mm -hmm. how that affects how the story is told. Mm -hmm. Um, just a subject that i just am realizing i'm constantly bringing us to mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. yeah and so i think yeah if if the narrator is you know really caught up in the events of the story is really caught up in the now of the story while they're telling it like esther is in the bell yeah. jar versus um that flash that story from that was published in the master's review literary magazine that uses yeah. flash forward is told from you know 10 20 years down in the future and uses flash forward to, uh, you know, see how an adult version of her reflects on it. Yeah, I mean, just giving your characters more time and more life experience really changes um, how they interpret and how much they're willing to share about an event. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. Like, it, it's, it, I guess that maybe comes from, like, a place of the, it being a very human thing, like how we view memory like, mm. in, in the way that our, like, you know, that our memory is, like, key in interpretation. Like, I don't think I'm trying to say anything specifically deep when I say that, but but just that uh, that's probably, you know, anyone versed in how the brain works would probably be like, yeah, man, that's that's what a person is. Like, yeah, but... No, but I
0: don't think... I, I think it's really useful to think specifically about when we are writing stories that are told from a character's subjective point of view. Mm-hmm. Um. And especially, you know, every time you reflect on a memory, you leave a different fingerprint on that memory. Mm -hmm. The memory gets sloppier Mm -hmm.
1: the more Mm -hmm. you reflect
0: on it. Um, And you mold it either in the direction of how you wish it happened or how you think that it happened, or you mold it sloppier, like um, this narrator in this Sophia Samatar short story where, Mm -hmm. you know, it's self-contradicting in points. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, like her perception uh, of andy becomes this kind of like messy you know uh, and that oh because of that messiness it allows it to become like the locus of her regrets because she regrets that she has these like dual interpretations instead of a consistent one like consistent one almost like yeah yeah yeah
0: yeah it's interesting as hell then yeah yeah so it's great right writing exercise um Give your characters more or less distance from the Mm. events that they're relating. Mm -hmm. What would happen Mm -hmm. if you give them, like we talked about in the Flash Forward episode, what would happen if you flashed Forward had them tell it from 10 years of life experience down the future? How differently would they relate the story then versus if you tell them while it's happening or just a few weeks while it's happening, like in the bell jar, or just a few weeks later, like in the short story Walk Dog? Um, How fresh do you want the wound to be in how they relate the story
1: yeah yeah that 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 is a very great exercise that sounds like a powerful thing yeah just, just to allow for those more mul- just because that interpretation is just so key to how your to what your story is going to be like yeah. you know well, what is it? It, it might even be interesting to like try to do something where you show a character doing something in the moment and they feel one way emotionally about it as it's happening. And then later in reflection, either having them be like, Oh, I regret that. Or in reflection, Oh, that was actually amazing that that terrible thing happened. Like just allow, uh, just trying to understand how one person can view the same moment from all these different angles, depending on their distance. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Because like, even in that like unteachable moment that I read, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, I think one interpretation of how she narrates, you know, Andy being pushed around and his papers being scattered every day mm-hmm. is, God, Andy, come on. Like, <laughs> put your stuff in a backpack so they can't scatter your stuff. Like, it'll be less rewarding for them if they don't scatter.
1: <laughs> um, and you know what's going to happen. Like, come on, uh...
0: you're unteachable, Andy. But then at the same time, you know, she's later reflecting and... Um, I think other parts in this make, make me think that her reflection on this is more regretful. Like why didn't she stand up to the bullies or why didn't she tell Andy, put your shit in your backpack. God dang. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. um, why didn't she, why wasn't she more active? Um, yeah. yeah. So, so even the same moment, you know, knowing what, you know, the first time I read it, I was like, haha ha, she's making fun of him. And then by the end of the story, I was like, Oh no, she regrets that deeply. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: Oh, man. Yeah. It, it's it's a really good short story. Like, I, I also find it interesting that it's, like, that it was in a YA anthology at, at some point. Like, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah, like, yeah, It's, uh, I mean, it's a high school age narrator um, mm-hmm. who has pretty bad grammar. I actually forgot that she was high school until I reread it this week mm-hmm. for this. And mm-hmm. I, I thought she was elementary school, to be honest. I, I thought <laughs> she was younger
1: as well when I first started it. Yeah.
0: Like, um, yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of YA, like, if it's a age-appropriate character, now it's YA. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, and, and also thinking about how we we both like thought that the character was younger, that might be a marker of YA, and that the diction itself might be just like slanted a little lower as far as reading level goes, in, in order to make just like make it more accessible. So yeah, totally possible. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's like can we?
0: Sorry,
1: mm-hmm. you don't... go ahead. No, I was just I was gonna in- make fun of our students. That's all. Um, <laughs> 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 oh, <laughs> what, say- what were you gonna say? What were you gonna say? Oh, that you know, like I'm like, oh, you know, it felt like it read a lot younger, and then I'm like, well, I've read essays that just were way more nonsensical than this would ever be. So like, and that was in college. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Our our college freshmen, there was quite a range on there yeah and yeah instruction
1: yeah um comma
0: use <laughs> oh man if i had to teach okay um, <laughs> the number of times where i was like we are discussing semicolons again <laughs> <laughs>
1: stop <laughs> using um, them <laughs>
0: i did a good exercise i don't know if this is at all relevant to yeah. writing craft but i did a good teaching exercise i had I divvied up the grammar topics that I wanted to cover throughout the semester and I started assigning it as presentations. So Mm. I would make the students in charge of presenting the information to other students. And then they at least gosh darn learned the one that they presented on. That's smart. smart. And I made them do like an interactive element. Most of them just did Kahoot games. Um, but those worked, you know, Um, yeah, yeah, that, that exercise worked really well. I, I think I read about it in, in a, pedagogy whatever Uh, but that definitely worked make the kids present on the grammar worked worked.
1: uh that's that's a really smart idea i wish i had done that because then i wouldn't have had to have learned the grammatical concept i was trying to teach and then uh, (laughs) like yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah no uh fau uh if you ever if you know they're just Those introductory writing classes, those are being taught by the seat of their pants like nine times out of ten.
0: Oh, my God. You know, some of us were 22 straight from undergrad, and then all of a sudden we were in charge of undergrads, you know.
1: Some were Uh, younger. (laughs) Um, Anywho. Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Um, I was going to say, can we talk about um, the fantastical element in the story? Yeah. And um, I think that this story is literary. Um, But it has a fantastical element. And Mm -hmm. I think we should make a point of always pointing out um, why that works so well.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. Um, So do you want to give us a brief intro on that fantastical element?
0: So, Walk Dog. I think this is, like, especially a popular way for, like, literary writers who don't do a lot of fantasy to Mm -hmm. appreciate fantastical elements. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Walk Dog is never on stage. You know, it's Mm -hmm. not this could be a a kid ran away from home story yeah and i think that magical realist or fan fantastical elements where it's like well it could be a monster or it could just be you know the kid ran away from home um or whatever other real life rationale i I feel like that's a really popular way popular intro into fantastical elements for yeah realist writers yeah yeah yeah,
1: like it, it turns the monster. It, it's basically the same way that monsters work in the real world, in, in that it's like it's a deterrent, it's a metaphor, it's a reason. It's, a, you know, you tell children that there's a monster in the woods at night, not because there's a monster in the woods at night, but because if they get lost in the woods, it's going to be really hard to find them and they'll die anyways. So, like, you We're, know, you know, yeah. It's a
0: abstracted, starvation is its own monster in yeah, the
1: woods. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, uh, oh man.
0: Uh, but yeah, there are other uh, stories in this collection. Again, this is tender by Sophia Samatar um, that do have literal fantastical elements going on. And okay. uh, a couple like of sci-fi on stage. elements as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah on stage and, and they're literal. But um, I think what still makes these stories so um, literary is that they're, you know, it's not following genre beats it's using that as a way to explore the characters so mm. in this walk dog story for example which again is in the show notes if you haven't read it by now is um it's using the walk dog just as an excuse to explain uh a kid who is his his life sucks so freaking much that he wants to run away mm-hmm. um yeah yeah it's it's using the whatever is fa- fantastical about it in order to to um Explore character, yeah. And character motivation.
1: Yeah, exactly. the The fantastic element I- I- is there in service uh, of, you know, like you just said, what character itself. Like the the it acts as like the a catalyst for the person's internal desires. Yeah, like yeah, and, and that's you know that when we I, I wonder about like you know because I agree with you like we would call this literary for sure. Um, mm-hmm. it, it, it's I'm wondering are there Is there a way for those things to be on stage center, like actually present and and not just kind of in the more metaphorical layer and and still receive that sort of, um, you know, more literary effectiveness if they're there while the moment is happening? Like,
0: Yeah, I think a lot of realist readers are resistant to fantastical elements that are hard to interpret. I think, mm-hmm. you know, this is true of non-literary readers, too. Yeah. You know, we, yeah. we want to interpret what it means, but we don't have to reach for what is happening. Mm. Um, mm. So I, I think that that's a hang-up for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. A hang-up for a lot of people. Um, let me read, I want to read a quick paragraph from a completely mm. different um, story later. Ooh, let cool. me find the part that I want to... Okay. <laughs> I laughed so hard at this. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, so let me read like a couple of sentences from a short story later in this collection um, mm-hmm. that is, uh, I think, striking closer to that, harder to interpret exactly what is happening. Um, that, But I, I, I think this is fascinating and literary and very poetic. Mm-hmm. Um, again, Sophia Samitar, this short story that I'm going to read a couple of sentences from is titled How I Met the Ghoul. I met the ghoul in 2008. She agreed to give me half an hour in an airport. We sat at the back of a restaurant where we would watch the planes take off. I was too wound up to feel like eating, but I ordered some onion rings for show. The ghoul had the hungry high flyer special with curly fries and cream of mushroom soup. Um, she also ordered a Coke, and I guess I gave her a look because she said, What? I'm going to cut <laughs> forward. Um, she took out a pack of cigarettes, and I reminded her there was no smoking. I asked her if body if her body functioned like that of a human being. No, she said. She ate one of her cigarettes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great! Isn't that delightful? I don't get I it, but that. I love it.
0: Like I have no idea what it means, but I adore it.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's that's an awesome moment right there. Like that, that's just such no. a good way of just like. illustrating, like, dialogue and then confirming dialogue via character action. Like, a character says they're going to do something and then they do it. No, she said.
0: (laughs) And then she ate one of her cigarettes. (laughs) 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 It's just delightful. It's just really funny. Um, Yeah, and I I think this, too, you know... um, I think that, you know, it's literary maybe because it's not about the ghost being a ghost. Like it's Mm -hmm. about trying to understand the ghoul. Like Mm -hmm. it's kind of, I think about like that. We don't understand things that are superstition. Yeah. Um, and that, they refuse to like just explain themselves to us right yeah does your body function like a human be- human's body no and then eating a cigarette no further <laughs> no further explanation given
1: <laughs> or needed <laughs> <laughs> yeah. okay got it your body's weird already yeah that that showcases that if there is any doubt yeah <laughs> like, yeah 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 that that's that that's a really good use of that that that's a really interesting way of intersecting the um the strange and the supernatural with the understood also like like the that you know it, it's here also just the sentence i met the ghoul in two thousand eight that stands out to me really hard like that's a very funny thing to say so right yeah. <laughs> at an
0: airport like mm-hmm. yeah it's it's delightful a combination of like very tangible realist world things and a ghoul refusing to explain itself.
1: Yeah. Yeah, just for if for no other reason than like it can't be explained to us. Like yeah. yeah. That's that's good. That's really yeah. good. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's delightful.
0: Yeah. Um, Sophia Samatar. This this short story collection is tender.
1: Yeah. All right. Awesome. Thank you. Is there anything ben, else? Hmm.
0: Do you have any other opini- opinions in general about uh quote literary unquote and fantasy
1: i mean nothing that i haven't said before like you know it's just the lot the lines are blurry always like especially now in 2022 the lines are blurrier than ever between like what is like considered genre or what isn't you know if you look at um uh, the collection that was very famous a little while ago friday black um Mm. he uh by uh, uh, Nana Kwame Adej Brenya. I might have pronounced that correctly, but I'm not uh, I'm 100% sure. It was in, put out in 2018. It's a collection of stories. Um, it, and it, w- it made a pretty big splash when it came out. Um, mm. Really, really good. Um, does a lot of similar stuff of, of, you know, just bringing together elements of science fiction and fantasy and then with like hard, like realist social critique. Um, and doing that in a really good combination, um, and just showing that, like, that, that distinction doesn't really exist for the most part. Like, if if you don't want it to, it doesn't have to. Like, yeah.
0: Yeah. Any subject matter can be literary.
1: Yeah, exactly. As long as... Go ahead, yeah.
0: A story being set in a realist world and being about a divorce does not mean that it is good art necessarily. Mm -hmm. It just Mm -hmm. is subject matter. It's a subject matter. Mm -hmm. Literariness Mm -hmm. is an intangible level of care given to the craft, in my opinion, not subject matter.
1: Yeah, yeah. I I would say like what what makes something quote unquote literary is definitely just that that willingness to address like issues that it, it that exist in our world uh, that exist in reality outside of the fictional space itself. Like you know a willingness to interrogate that. Like yeah. Hmm. yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Good, up, Ben.
1: Yeah. Great stuff. Great stuff, dude. Love it. But uh, before we head out, have you been reading anything that you want to talk about? Anything on? Uh, on the plate that's been interesting to you?
0: Oh, I've been I've been browsing. I've been nibbling. Mm-hmm. Uh, I need to finish another book before I recommend it. Let me okay. circle back. Let me circle back. Okay. I will give a non-reading recommendation, which is going for a walk. Mm. Um, crucial, underrated. Uh, we are human bodies that, generally speaking, need to not sit at a desk all day. So mm. just a... I'd uh, love to put, put put a good word out for the idea of going for a stroll, midday yeah. stroll while the sun is still up. Make time, folks, make time. Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Even though it's cold pretty much everywhere right now, see see what you can do. Like I know some places are snowed in. If any of if anyone's listening from North Carolina right now, you you have my heart is with you. Like yeah, it's it's rough, yeah. But, yeah. Um yeah, uh, I I will recommend, um, yeah, I finished Hurricane Season. Um, It was excellent from beginning to end, but yeah. Hmm. What
0: did you think, yeah, how did it conclude?
1: It, it I was correct in my assumption that it's like you know who the killers are basically from the second or third chapter it's pretty obvious who they are like they mm-hmm. they're kind of like just on stage being shown as exiting the crime scene and it's like oh the people at the crime scene were the people that did it um, <laughs> yeah uh, <laughs> my do, word <laughs> it, it's an incredibly powerful book um, just you know I spoke about it last week already but it's you know it, it's a really big critique of masculinity and the um the poison that is wrought by our you know our desire to hold on to the masculinity as it has been defined like the final chapter deals with this very directly with a um the narrator being a character who is very deeply closeted and Mm. it is unacceptable to them that they are gay and mm. it, it and that being actually what promotes the like uh, the acts of violence that transpire throughout the rest of the book that being this huge like actual motivating factor this mm. unwillingness to acknowledge this and, and it's it's really good really it's a rough book it's hard to read at times but it's it's really really strong so I, I can't recommend that enough that's Hurricane Season by Fernanda Melkor we went over the one of the opening sentences in it last week yeah yeah
0: good stuff yeah cool mm-hmm. Okay, everybody, well, thank you for listening. This was the Good Writing Podcast. If you have a quick note for us, we are on Twitter at Pod. You can find us on Twitter at GoodWritingPod.
1: Send us an email at GoodWritingPodcast at gmail.com. If you send us a voice message there as well, we will play it on the air. Um, We'd love to get some emails going on. We'd love to hear your thoughts on anything that we've discussed on any episode. Um, Just, you know, let us know if you've read it, if you haven't read it, especially something like this, shorter work. Gives you a second to just read over it already linked in the things. Just let us know what you think, please.
0: Also, we have one we I think I'm pretty sure we have one or two listeners in North Dakota, and I just want to specifically invite you, North yeah. Dakotans. How did you find our show? Who are you? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Let us know. We we wanna know who's out there. Please. Like we, we'd love uh, make this parasocial relationship slightly more social. social. Yeah, like, yeah. Come I already on. know what yet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if you
0: uh if you enjoyed the show you can leave us a uh, five-star review pretty please on apple podcasts or also spotify created mm-hmm. a you can re- leave five-star reviews on spotify too yep um you cannot leave four three two or one star reviews on any of those platforms they just don't yeah. have a button for it so if it's that's impossible. what you wanted to do don't look
1: yeah <laughs> if that as i've said before if you if you were considering doing that and you've gotten this far in the episode let go let go my friend just let go and go to sleep.
0: Take a take that walk that I recommend. Yeah. Take that walk. Take that walk. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. If you're filled with rage by what we said, take a walk, please.
0: <laughs> oh, Ben, you know what we never included in our outro? Who who's your friend who made the what's Who's your friend oh. who made our theme song?
1: Our, our theme song is was made by my buddy David. Uh, David is a co-host on my other podcast, Three Locos. Uh, that's with me and my friends David and Chase from... Uh, uh, we went to high school together. And that is a podcast that is generally about uh, media, ostensibly about movies and music and stuff. But really, it's a uh, dumb comedy podcast in which we talk about which Pokemon we think would taste the best. A discussion that happened on a recent episode. So,
0: Okay, please. just really quick. Which, what was the conclusion?
1: Um, well, we came up with a full three-course meal uh, oh. <laughs> of various Pokemons that would uh, go well together um it, it, it's probably a, not it, haunter
0: not not haunter no, or ghastly
1: i bet none, none of the ghost type pokemon's none of the ones that look like dudes like if you're like a Machamp or a Machoke, that, that they're out up, yeah yeah exactly yeah. that's too weird but um you know we we do talk about doing a, an aspic with a ditto so if you want to think about stuff like that um <laughs> please uh listen to three a locos ditto pudding
0: a ditto yeah. pudding yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh Check out Ben's other show, Three Locos, if you're looking for more content. Or um, we'll be back on Monday for a new episode.
1: Locos spelled like uh, L-O-K-O-S, like the alcoholic caffeine beverage that killed those teenagers. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Um... Bye. (laughs) 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 (laughs)
0: Bye.